bless this time. May you receive all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Is this on? Can you hear me? Do I need to switch? You're good. I'm good? Okay. Can you hear me in the back? Wow. Thank you for that leading. Um, you know, I, I have to start by saying thank you, Lord, for the music ministry that we have here that, that we just witnessed and took part in. It, it, it is so great. Uh, the songs chosen, the things, I mean, the spirits at work in this, and the focus was truly that Jesus would be honored in our lives, that He is everything. And uh, help us to see that and to realize that as we go through this, uh, through His Word today. Lord, uh, I just want to pray before I begin that you would be everything in our lives and the lives of those out there who are listening in my life and everyone's life, that you would be what really counts. In your name we pray. So the text for today is taken from John 12, 1 through 16. And if you would turn there in your Bibles, I'll read through that quickly. I've chosen a lot of verses probably to preach on. Billy is wiser than I, and usually only takes like seven or so. I picked 16 <laughs> to find out how smart that is. Uh, or you'll get hungry. So, uh, beginning with uh, the first verse. Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of that perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? and given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Today is Palm Sunday. Somebody said that when I walked in. Uh, so, I brought my palm. <laughs> and this is what uh, they threw in the path as Jesus came into Jerusalem. But the occasion begins before that. The occasion of our text does not start here. For John writes, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So Jesus was on a trek of about 20 miles from Jericho, or somewhere near Jericho, toward Jerusalem, and came to the little town of Bethany, which is about a mile and a half to two miles away, and there chose to stay with his dear friends. So that's where we are in verse 1. In order to appreciate what is happening here, we need to review the origin of, or the meaning of Passover. So if you would, please, with me, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, and we'll begin with the first verse there. Exodus chapter 12. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month, which in the Hebrew is called Nisan, shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your account for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. And you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In verse 14, he concludes, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation as a statute forever. 
you shall keep it as a feast. By the Hebrew calendar, today is the 15th day of Nisan, the morning after the lambs were killed. So we can think, if we were Hebrew, of last night as the sacrifice of the lambs. So it is fitting to think about the true significance of this event as Christians. As a good Christian Bible scholar, we should ask ourselves, what, what does all this mean to us? The sacrifice was undoubtedly a foreshadowing of Christ's perfect sacrifice for everyone who repents of their sins and places his or her trust in the blood of God's perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, you and I, as unredeemed men and women, are in bondage like the Egyptians. But we are in bondage to sin. Much like the Jewish people were in bondage in Egypt as slaves. As Paul says in Romans 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That was our old self. So that we no longer would be enslaved to sin. That is our new self. Amen. For the Christian, this significance of this feast is that if we appropriate the blood of Jesus shed for us, we are no longer in bondage. Amen. We are no longer slaves to sin. This is the Jesus who arrives in Bethany six days before the Passover. This was a huge event. Over 100,000 people flooded to Jerusalem. Jews flooded to Jerusalem to celebrate this event, the Passover, as commanded. And they were all making their way along the Roman road towards Jerusalem along with Jesus and his disciples to celebrate this occasion as commanded by God. And this is the occasion of the text in chapter 2. Mark describes what appears to be the same event and states that it takes place at the house of Simon the leper, who many believe was the father-in-law of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Moving on to verse 2. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at table with him. This Lazarus was the Lazarus of Bethany referred to in chapter 11 of John, whom Jesus raised from the dead four days after he had been in the tomb. In verse 5 of chapter 11, John tells us, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So Jesus is dining among dear friends here. As a matter of fact, in verse 2 of John 11, the Apostle tells us beforehand, this was the same Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. So he tells this event even before the, the dinner. And so we come to verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was literally filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Imagine that. A passage from Proverbs comes to mind to serve to illustrate how much Mary loved and honored Jesus. 
by what she was doing. That it comes from Proverbs 27:9, and it reads, "Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel." Remembering that Mary, unlike Martha, loved to seek Jesus' counsel. Well, contrary to Mary's attitude, just look at the reactions of those who observed what she did. In John's Gospel, he says in verse 4, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for a hundred denarii and given to the poor? John continues, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Well, lest we discount Judas as just a plain old thief, Mark gives us slightly more information about what took place, and what he says is this, in Mark 14, 5 through, 4 through 5, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why, so some, not just Judas, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? She actually breaks the neck that holds this perfume and pours it on Jesus. For this ointment could not could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Now whether we agree with Judas or not, 300 denarii is a lot of money. It was according to Roman standards a year's wages. So by today's standards, we're looking at upwards of $40,000 that just got poured over Jesus' head. But look at Jesus' reply in verse 7 and 8. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Mark says it this way in his gospel, and again, verse uh, chapter 14. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good to them. But you do not always have me. The important thing for us to see here is how much Mary loved and valued Jesus. By her actions, she demonstrated that she saw something of greater value in that man than in anything else. The world does not understand this. The world believes its main problem is poverty, hunger, debt, climate change, taxes, the political state of the country, or disease. But those are not. Those are not the world's main problems. Those issues all come from one problem that is predating them. That problem is sin. Amen. And it was man's original sin that brought about all the other problems. Yeah. Friends, we need to see the significance of this fact or we will never truly value our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. We need a Savior who can solve all of our problems, not just some of them. Mm. 
John continues in verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. In verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. John says in chapter 11, verse 48, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come, and they'll take away us, our place, and our nation. So what were they worried about? They were worried about their positions. They were worried about their nation in general. They had a lot of anxiety where he was concerned, and a lot of pride where he was concerned. As a matter of fact, it was so bad in chapter 11, verse 54, Jesus therefore, uh, John says, Jesus therefore no longer uh, walked openly among the Jews, but went into the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. So he had to actually seclude himself until he comes here to Bethany. In verse 12, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So we have Palm Sunday. They threw their palms in his path. And the term Hosanna means it's a request to save us. In Luke's Gospel, he adds in uh, chapter 19, verse 36, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Now, a cloak in their day was hard to come by, okay, because wherever you buy clothes, where do you buy clothes? <laughs> you can tell, I can. Walmart. Walmart, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is a long way away, right? So somebody had to make their clothes, and if you had two of them, that was a big deal, which is why Jesus said, if you have two cloaks, give one to someone who doesn't have one. Mm. So I have this valuable cloak, and I'm going to throw it in the road so a donkey and Jesus can walk on it. Mm. Think about that. So as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Think about what this crowd was doing and saying. These are things associated with a clear proclamation that Jesus was the long-awaited king promised in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. In verses 12 and 13 of that passage, which um, I think Bill read, the prophet Samuel says to King David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for you, after you, someone who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name. Now, of course, this was partly fulfilled by, by Solomon, King Solomon, but only partially. For the prophet continues, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom, how long? Forever. Forever. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, 
and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. So this could not point to Solomon, nor did any Jew who was worth his salt think it did point to Solomon. They thought it pointed to the Messiah, the coming king, mm -hmm. which is why they said Hosanna and called him king. This was exactly what the Jews thought they needed. This is what they thought they needed. They thought this was the king who would set everything right and establish Jewish rule forever. This king would finally put a stop to this scurious Roman rule. To high taxes. To suppression and corruption of Jewish worship. If this doesn't sound familiar to you, <laughs> you probably don't engage in political discussions or watch the news. <laughs> but Jesus continues to fulfill prophecy and reign on their parade. John continues. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. And just to make sure his hearers understand what is happening, the Apostle John quotes the Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now think about that. What? <laughs> Fear not, here comes your king, seated on a donkey's colt? Are you kidding, John? When I, when I read that, I thought of the, the, the thing you see at the rodeo when the little kids get on the sheep and ride them around. That's their bucking bronco. Why didn't he ride a war horse? A donkey? Well, number one, he was fulfilling prophecy. But the prophecy he was fulfilling was one that they didn't understand. He was not coming as a conquering king, unless you're speaking about sin. Right. Mm -hmm. And don't feel bad. We shouldn't feel bad if we think that's a little weird, because his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things, it says, this is verse 16, they remembered these things that had been written about him and had been done to him. Now, perhaps we should look at the rest of that passage just to see what's going on a little bit. Uh, so continuing with that passage in verse 9, in, in Zechariah 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations, and his rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. <coughs> waterless pit did he mean by that? The waterless pit he refers to here doubtless refers to the pit in which Joseph was thrown by his brothers. That pit was waterless, it says. 
a pit that was part of God's eternal plan to lead his people into Egypt. A pit that was to bring about their slavery under Pharaoh, which God meant as a sign of our slavery to sin. It all points to a plan to rescue those Jews from slavery as a sign that points to God's plan to rescue us from slavery to sin Amen. by the blood of a spotless lamb. Yeah. It is a plan for you and a plan for me. It is a plan to rescue us from the wrath of God as well as from our slavery to sin. Every Jew in Egypt who smeared that blood on his doorpost or lintel was saved. It did not matter what they did beforehand. It did not matter if they were good or bad. All that mattered was that the blood would be there. Friends, we need to align our lives with Mary. As she anoints Jesus' feet, we need to see this man, Jesus, as the true and only solution to our worldly problems. Only he can relieve our anxiety, heal our marriages, conquer our addictions, and give us the will and the power to obey God. Only his blood can atone for our past sins. Friends, if you've not already placed your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you need to do it today. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved from the angel of death. If you haven't already made Jesus your Lord, won't you please decide today, before you leave this place, to cast your cloak in his path and honor the only one who can truly save you from slavery. Let us pray. Father, we do pray that you would both make us love you more, cause us to love you more and treasure you more and see you as a solution to all life's problems, not just some of them. And Father, anyone who hasn't accepted you, I pray this day from here on that they know you as their Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. We're going to